You are listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Octavio Fernandez y Mustajo. And my name is Claire Perini. I'm happy to welcome you back to the Regent College Podcast. I'm happy to welcome you back as well, but I don't ever tell you that I'm happy to welcome you back. But I am happy to welcome you back alongside I mean, Octavio. So many people wondering if you if you actually were happy. Yeah, I'm ha- so back. happy. I'm very happy. Um, friends, today we had a conversation about um, what it, what evangelism and discipleship uh, are looking like for the global church in different spaces in the pandemic. So we were, we were talking with someone who's based here in Vancouver, Shayla Visser, who has over 20 years of ministry experience and is currently the National Director of Alpha Canada and the Global Senior Vice President for Alpha International. And we were talking with Peter Linus, who is in Northern Ireland, and he's the Director of the Evangelical Alliance in the UK, um, and he completed his MDiv at Regent, and both of them serve on the Regent College Board. And we had a fascinating conversation with them about Alpha and about what's going on in this cultural moment around uh, evangelism and ministry and the church in this time. Both of these people think really well and really deeply about what's happening in our cultural moment right now and as well as what the spirit might be doing and what might be the sort of the church's prophetic edge and the church's gift in this time. So we hope you find this conversation really encouraging and infectious in their enthusiasm and passion uh, for the gospel being good news uh, now, particularly in a pandemic. So we hope you enjoy our conversation with Peter Linus and Shayla Visser. Shayla Visser and Peter Linus, welcome to the Regent College podcast. It's great to be here. We're happy to be here with you, Claire. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to be here with you too. Um, I thought maybe we'd just get us give people a little bit of a context of who you are. You know, the question of who are you is just a little bit existential. So don't feel like you've got to do that. But tell, <laughs> who, who are you what, and what's your, what's your relationship to, to Regent? Shayla, why don't you kick us off? Okay, thanks. I am, well, I've taken courses. I live 10 minutes away from Regent. So I'm pretty blessed to be able to drive down the road to access the Regent bookstore, to go to evening lectures, to take classes. And I am on the board. So I've been on the board at Regent for the last six years with Peter. Great. And uh, that's how I'm connected. And I love the college. Awesome. Peter. Tell us. Well, and I live about 3,000 miles away from the college, uh, so I'm sitting here in Ireland at the moment. Uh, I studied uh, a long time ago, 2003 to 2007. I did my MDiv. My wife did her MCS there. Um, So we had four wonderful, glorious years. We've been back for lots of summer schools, and I am Mm -hmm. on the board too. I'm about to get kicked off. I've been on the board too long. I'm the roving international member, and I'm coming to the end of almost nine years on the board. Oh, man. Nine years. A long time. He's a hero. Yeah, He's a real hero. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> you can't get off. I don't know how to get off. <laughs> Somebody help me. <laughs> Sounds like it's coming soon, Peter. It's coming soon. Oh, that's I wrote a rule to kick myself off. It's great. Yeah. Did you? you no, know, I've loved it. <laughs> that's great. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about things that, that both of you are coming at from sort of different angles, but you're thinking about together, you've you thought about in different ways, uh, sort of evangelism, the church, and then in a pandemic. 
What does that look like? How do we? How have you been thinking about that? Um, and we'll we'll sort of hear diff, your different perspectives and how that intersects with the work that you do. Um, but Peter, why don't we start with you? You've you've seen and argued that nominal Christianity is dying in the US and the UK, um, and that there 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 will be just a leaner church in the West going forward. So smaller, fitter. What do you mean by that? Talk to us more about what you mean by that. Yeah, well, I think it has been this really interesting season. So my passion is around the kind of cultural intersection with the church and then how we lean missionally into that moment. Um, and I think the data coming out of the States from Barna and others is that people aren't going along to church as much. They've seen a drop in Christians attending online church. Whereas in Australia, mm-hmm. I'll take the other end, a place close to your heart, mm-hmm. they're finding that actually the drop is, is nowhere near as significant, in fact, barely at all, and actually people are spiritually hungry for the church. But mm-hmm. I would say that Australia has seen that stripping away in the past, if you like, and Australia already had a kind of leaner church. If you were going to church in Australia, it's because you wanted to go to church. You've made a conscious right. decision. Nobody mm-hmm. turns up and just culturally goes to church in Australia. No. And Britain's <laughs> sitting somewhere in between. So Northern Ireland, where I am, still has a, quite a lot of cultural Christianity. But in the heart of London and other places, you've made a conscious decision. So they're not seeing a drop away because in this moment, those people are already committed. They love Jesus. They love the church. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's tough, but they're hanging in there. In fact, more than that, many of them are in their own ways thriving despite the challenges. But those who were just normally going along week by week, that habit has been fundamentally broken. And I don't think a lot of them are going to go back. If this was just a cultural social club thing, that Mm -hmm. habit has gone and and that's you know so we'll see a leaner church in that it's going to be I think that's ultimately a better thing the people who are going to church right. will be the committed people and then you have a committed group who are going to go out on mission and are going on mission we'll talk more about that in a minute so it's not that nothing else is happening in this moment but I think there's a really interesting cultural kind of moment of the church going to be a leaner one going forward and that's ultimately not a bad thing now people mm. will panic because you'll see numbers decline you'll see some headlines that say hey numbers are down a lot of that's a stripping back of nominalism Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'll just add in Canada too, we we would be more like the UK, but not even as secular as the UK. So when I think about the stats that are coming out of all these countries, I'm trying to put Canada on that line of where are mm. we? We are definitely closer to secularism. We don't look like the US. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Mark Sayers has talked a lot about this. I, Peter, you and Mark have connected a lot that he said what's happening in the U.S. is so different from just about every other country yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. But the trajectory to secularism is what we all have in common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I totally agree with that. I mean, I think the U.S. is the outlier here. And uh, yeah. much as we've all borrowed from them, and it's wonderful, and it needs to do some stuff, it's not a place most of us can look to anymore for any kind of lead in this moment. It is so unique. Um, it's just, it mm-hmm. is the outlier. Whereas the rest of the world is engaging in these secular stories but maybe I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I'm also excited in that because I don't think the secular story can cope with the pandemic. The secular, secular story says, look, there's right. nothing spiritual out there. Um, you know, science can answer everything. We're all fine. Well, science isn't doing a great job on the pandemic. And I don't mean that glibly, but when you're faced with death statistics every single day and the news headlines are all about how many people have died, mm-hmm. the, the kind of scientific secular story goes, yikes, we have nothing to say to that. We mm-hmm. they can't engage in those kind of numbers. And I think the kind of profoundly individualistic story has really been stripped away too because we're all sitting at home. Mm-hmm. We're all doing this podcast right. remotely over Zoom as we've done all day, every day. <laughs> and we're lonely. And you see the loneliness figures going through the roof at the minute because yeah. we are fundamentally relational beings, as we know. And that doesn't mm-hmm. work well when that's stripped back and we're left kind of isolated on our, on our own. Mm-hmm. The UK this week had stats out saying 4.2 million people are saying they are always or often lonely. 
I mean, these are just like incredibly yeah. high stats. And we know those are yeah. replicated in lots of different countries around the world. So in this moment, the kind of stories are being stripped bare. And I actually think it's the most incredible missional moment. And we're seeing that. And we'll mm-hmm. jump to that, I'm sure, in a few minutes mm-hmm. about how that's opening up. So the cultural story is really interesting. There's so many layers to it. I think it's really exciting, actually. Mm-hmm. I think somewhere like the south of Ireland, close to where I am, so highly Catholic country, hugely influenced by that 20 years ago, really dominant today, mm-hmm. just zero, just gone, completely decimated, almost nothing left behind. But in the, the kind of ruins of that, in the rubble of that, there's really interesting things happening. <laughs> Again, I'll give the, the nod to Alpha and others who are really doing interesting stuff. So some of that stripping bare it's just a reality. Is it good or is it bad? Some of it's good. We needed rid of it. Some of it's less good because actually the parish system and anomalism brings people into the orbit of the church. And for that, that's part of their missional journey. So I think it's probably too simple to say it's either all good or all bad. It is mm. the reality. But what the, I think the narrative has tended to be in the church, it's all bad. Oh my goodness, these people aren't coming to church anymore. It's like, well, mm-hmm. actually, that's not the worst thing in the world. Now we get to go after those um, who are really far from Jesus and begin to really explain it rather than them thinking I think probably incorrectly that they're on, you know, just by turning up at church, they're fine. I think there was a real culture, you know, social club kind of thing that was really unhealthy and we needed that stripped away. So it's a bit of both and, if that's not a cop out. I, I agree. I agree with that. And I think what's also an opportunity in this moment is those that are nominal because of the pandemic, are asking greater questions about faith. They're either opting out entirely or they're actually going to engage, maybe for the first time ever, in deeper faith conversations. And so I think there's like this opportunity with those that would be either, you know, the Christmas and Easter kind of Christians who would say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but, or they even go to church a lot and they're nominal Mm -hmm. That are, that are asking such good mm. questions mm. that there's an opportunity for us to actually see them come deeper into the church and have their faith, you know, flame into fire. Mm. So, mm. yes, we should think about those people that are far from God, like they don't seem to be interested at all in Christianity, but I think there is an opportunity, <clears throat> excuse me, for the church to engage those that have been nominal mm-hmm. before they completely disappear. Yeah, mm. yeah. My thought with that goes is those nominal Christians, a lot of them believe they know Christianity and they've lived Christianity and it hasn't changed them, it hasn't offered answers. So my my fear there is, is, okay, I'm feeling lonely, I'm feeling all this fear and like I know Christianity and it hasn't offered what what uh, what I thought it would. So I'm instead of looking deeper into Christianity, I'm gonna turn away from Christianity because it hasn't you know fulfilled what I what I wanted. So I'm I'm also uh, you know hesitant about about that kind of scared of of that might be the other trajectory of leaving Christianity when you you're nominal thinking that you know what Christianity is about and you've yeah. So that's the yeah. other thing. So I think we've sold a cheap gospel. We've, yeah. you know, lots of people have said this. We've sold the half story. Um, it's just like you know, you're bad, and Jesus is the answer. Uh, and that that you know, and we don't even say you're bad anymore. We just say Jesus is the answer. And that's such a kind of trite, mm-hmm. so it's, you know, shortening of the gospel. That it's not a gospel at all. And therefore, that doesn't work. So when the pandemic hits, when crisis comes, there's nothing there. There's no mm-hmm. depth to it. Mm-hmm. And the danger is somebody gets inoculated by a kind of cheap you know, uh, version of the gospel. But at the same time, there is the opportunity to push deeper. And I think there is the appetite for the spiritual. So there's the potential in Mm. that moment for somebody to experience pastorally, supernaturally, prophetically, something that draws them in. And that is why, you know, nominalism is neither all good or all bad to me. You might just be in the orbit where it just draws you in and something catches Mm. you in that moment. Mm. Um, But there's no doubt 
we have generally in the West sold a very kind of limited version of Christianity that has caused a great deal of pain for people because it hasn't mm. worked. Um, mm-hmm. And that is a real problem that we're going to have to deal with. And different cultures are at different stages of that journey. Yeah. And I think part of, again, it's the descriptive. We have stepped away from that largely in everywhere probably now but the States. And, and this is going to change the nature of what mission and evangelism looks like. Mm-hmm. Whether that's mm. good or bad, I don't, it's oh, just, yeah. it is what it is. And I'm excited about that yeah. space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So Shayla... So let's talk a little bit about Alpha then. So if there's this kind of hunger and then there's this sort of this spiritual moment perhaps that people are sort of leaning in a little bit, what's what's Alpha doing during COVID? What what have you seen happening there? Well, can I just say, first of all, what's yes. happening in different parts of the world is really quite different. Yeah. So I know that, Peter, you must have the research from Tier Fund and other groups about what's happening in the UK around opportunity and engagement with the church Mm. at least in may the tier fund research came out and said how much people the average person in the uk was engaging with church Mm. and i remember thinking at the time living here in vancouver that's not true in canada right and then talking to my colleagues in asia and they're saying that's not Mm. true in asia and so I think it really is about what God is doing in in places that are very specific to his plans for that place, Mm -hmm. but are also um, coming out of certain commitments by the church community. So when I look from the outside in, and Peter, maybe you can comment on this before I get to the alpha. When I look at the UK and I think, gosh, what's happened there that's been so different? That's what's happening in my country. I look back and I think, gosh, their commitment to prayer, whether you're 24-7 prayer, mm-hmm. thy kingdom come, which was started, I think, by the Archbishop of Canterbury, the commitment across the nation um, to pray has been there for decades. Mm-hmm. And when I look across Canada as one example, there isn't that same robust commitment to prayer. So, Peter, why don't you say a little bit about that? Maybe you're seeing those differences in the UK that we've we're not doing in canada well yes yeah, so i know certainly in the uk yeah the the tier fund survey found that there was an increased interest in prayer mm. there was an increased interest in the bible and bible study the interest in increased interest in online church uh, i think somebody put it really well there's never been an easier time to sneak in the back door of church <laughs> going into a church is a massive step for most people to physically mm-hmm. go in yeah. we never do that in a, in a shop or a house or a hotel that we're going to go and stay in we look online we google maps it we check out the photographs mm-hmm. we see it's trip advisor the new, you know so we make it very easy so this moment has made it really easy to engage in that but the the prayer point has been big the 24/7 prayer um, sorry, we in Northern Ireland just say prayer. We, we just shorten that word, so it's prayer. <laughs> I know the Canadians look at me sometimes, you know, that act of praying to God. So just in case the accent confuses people, we just had a UK day of prayer there for Evangelical Alliance. It was amazing to see the church across the UK this day last week. Um, just so, And it was just fantastic. So there definitely is a season uh, of that going on, and that is undoubtedly linked with the increased interest. Mm. And I know you want to come in. Uh, the, the thing we just did, a number of surveys around churches. So when it came to evangelism, people were continuing to have the conversations. Churches were continuing to see people come to faith. The barrier, interestingly, was that people didn't either know non-Christians or weren't meeting them. Now, as mm-hmm. part of that, you can put to the pandemic the meeting. But actually, we, the way we phrase the question, we also know part of it is they don't know non-Christians. Yeah. That's, so it's not a confidence issue. It's not like an inability to share the gospel. Some of them are in ghettos and just don't know non-Christians. And some of them in this season are finding it really hard to make the kind of connections they'd like to make that would open up those conversations. 
So that's one of the challenges we found, which mm-hmm. I, which was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And yet I know, uh, and I'll give uh, Shayla a bridge, that the Alpha Online has created huge opportunities. So the guys locally in Northern Ireland just sent me an email yesterday to say they'd already hit this year more courses than they did last year, and had seen more interest again by by this period in the year already. So you know they're going to be well up on last year, as many places are. So mm-hmm. I think that online option has been huge for Alpha. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's it's been incredibly fruitful for us, both in Canada, but around the world with Alpha Online. And I think part of it has made um, the really uber local connections where you can invite your neighbors to do Alpha Online and you're spending time in your outdoors at this season. Well, not now that at least in the northern hemisphere, we're in winter, but we're people were spending time with their neighbors, Mm -hmm. getting to know them in a way they hadn't before because of how much we were staying close to home. But the second thing that's happening is you've also got this real global opportunity where where you went to university is different from where you grew up, is different from where you work perhaps for many, many people now. And so all of a sudden your relational connections that were never like, hey, come to Alpha with me at my local church. Mm. You can now say, come to Alpha with me and I'm going to run it online. And so we're seeing people from India join Alphas that are being run by their friends in Toronto. Mm. And we're seeing people in Vancouver run Alpha and get guests that are living in Halifax. And so suddenly you've got these really local courses with neighbors and you've got these really global courses because relationally Christians are connected all over the world. Mm. And I think Mm. it's fun to think of those opportunities that we've had. So similar to what Peter said about his friends in Alpha in Ireland, we've seen the same in Canada. We've had over 2,000 Alphas running online. Mm. And Average Christians are saying, I can do this. I have a Zoom account from work that I could use, or I have my own personal Zoom account. I can do this with friends. And I think they're starting to see that we are people of peace and hope and joy in the midst of pandemic. And that is what the world is looking for. Mm. And they're going to increasingly look to people that can offer hope. Mm -hmm. And particularly while we're recording this, things at least in Vancouver have closed down even tighter. And people are starting to feel really anxious Mm -hmm. and very lonely. And now is the time that I've said to our team, hey, be ready for people that want to start Alpha in December, which you would never think of doing. But now that people can't socialize in our area Mm -hmm. with anyone outside of their household, there's going to be people who either live mm-hmm. alone or it's just their husband and wife. Like I I don't have children. And so it's just Ryan and I, and let me tell you, I love him. We have a great marriage, but we will be longing to be with other people. <laughs> yeah. And so alpha, if, and that's us who have hope in Christ, who have a relationship uh, with him. I think, what about those that don't? And what do we have to offer them at this time? And it's being those people of peace, hope, and joy mm-hmm. in the midst of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the rule book has been thrown out. I mean, I think that's one of the big things. Yeah. Uh, Shayla is probably too humble to say it, but I think she was key to that online alpha even happening. I think it's public record. Nikki was not a big fan of the idea. Nikki got one of the founders of Alpha and didn't think that would work. And actually, he's very publicly said, man, it's amazing what's been possible mm. because a lot of it was built around the table and hospitality, and that is the ideal, but that's not possible in this moment, as you're mm-hmm. saying. We're back in a tighter lockdown too. And I do think, again, I mean, the the kind of the margin that people have is so slim at this moment and the fear and the loneliness and the anxiety and all those are tipping and people are like, just Mm -hmm. give me something, give me anything. 
Yeah. That's a fantastic yeah. moment if you're a yeah, natural yeah. evangelist and a missional person. You're like, I don't mind why you're coming in the door, but come on in. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I've been surprised at how it's allowed us to reach into communities we would never reach. I was just talking to a friend of mine in Montreal who leads a church there. And he's, he said, Shayla, we have 25 Farsis on our Alpha right now. Mm. And we're going to be baptizing some of them before Christmas, if we can figure out a way to do it COVID friendly. Mm. But God's just moving. And I think he's inviting us to just participate in it Mm -hmm. and be attentive to the opportunity that's right now. So I think how we as Christians take care of our own spiritual well-being and mental well-being isn't just about us in this moment. It's about the world and about being able to speak Mm. into the world from a place of stability. Mm -hmm. And that's totally based in the person of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned people are desperate. And because in my case, uh, when I think about church online, especially prayer online, it's just it's just bad in the sense of, I mean, if you, if you do the real thing in community inside a church, man, it's so good. When you do it online, it's just it's just not the same. So I don't even want to do it. But when when this pandemic is still on and it's getting worse, I'm like, I mean, that's all you got. You got just got to do it, even though you know, like quote unquote, the real thing is so much better. And like for people, especially like coming to church online for the first time and doing prayer online for the first time, I'll be like, man, you have no idea how the real thing really feels. Like, you know, being in community, it's so much better. But I mean, if that's all we got, and, mm. and I totally know what, 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 you, what you guys mean. Like, But here's, here's what is pushing on all of us, Octavio, is do we know what it means to worship God mm-hmm. in music and in prayer in our own homes? Mm-hmm. And once we get past that I wish it was the way it used to be, right? I mean, of course we long for community. We all do. Um, But once we get past that, I think it does open up new opportunities for personal, private worship in ways that perhaps we've relied on Mm -hmm. a church to do for us. And I'm finding myself, you know, playing worship music at home and, um, and praying out loud in ways that I wouldn't have done in my home Mm -hmm. because I just need to engage with the Trinity in a different Mm -hmm. way because church isn't there and there's something beautiful. And so I've really sort of pushed people to think about the opportunities that God is giving us in this moment and not just to say we've lost things, but what, what could we gain right now? But there is a sense of of a tiny sense of mourning the loss of the church, right? And it, it's it's mm-hmm. something it's it's not that easy to get over it because you you're like you're seeing it on on your computer or TV and it's like oh this morning like we've lost something so yeah yeah of course yeah. of course and I think we do need to create that space to grieve I, I yeah. certainly wouldn't want people to come away thinking oh they're all so upbeat and everything must be amazing in their world <laughs> I get you in <laughs> online church. I was supposed to be preaching Sunday week. We were back open and allowed a certain number of people in our church buildings. I was excited. We've just locked back down, so that means it's going to be back to a living room preach. I mean, I, you guys know there's nothing worse as a preacher than just into a screen. There's yeah. no warmth. It's so hard to get a read of a room and what's going on. And the real challenge is like, we've got kids, I've got 10, maybe an 8-year-old. Gosh, they're going to correct me and tell me they're like 11 and 7 or something. But I think that's right, but... <laughs> You know, and we're challenged in the outsourcing of the looking after our kids at times. So we, we were listening to the UK Blessing just this morning over breakfast. We were just intentionally making sure we we're putting on some worship music, um, reading Bear Grylls devotional as a family. 
and being a lot more intentional over this period as to what it means um, to to form and to shape them because I do miss mm-hmm. the church and they miss it hugely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did so much for kids and families in particular and they're stripping away as hard. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like I definitely feel that. So it's really put some pressure that we wouldn't want to deny on families, but it's also forced us to really take seriously mm. our intentional formation of our kids and it is releasing a lot more people mm-hmm. and one, one of the things I said about the leaner churches I think will have smaller staff teams in many areas there's going to be a financial squeeze now there's a couple of layers to that I think one is it's probably not a bad thing some churches are squeezed back and there's a much more releasing of the volunteers much more releasing of the laity we're big fans of that at Regent we're saying yes that is a good thing mm. come on we want to see that Mm-hmm. Our mission fields look different. I'm not traveling in the same way. I'm much more local again, as most of us are. I'm not jumping on airplanes, so I'm connecting much more locally with what's going on around me. And again, uh, that's a good thing. But also, I think the third one there is like, the government's got no money left. So yeah. um, churches will feel some financial pressure, but they're the number one giving on most people's lists. So they actually come out pretty much okay. But their role now is, I would call, a mediating institution, sitting in that space of providing not just the food banks, but the job clubs and standing in, in the gap with people. That's massive. And other charities are going to see a huge change. They already have. They just yeah. aren't going to have the same resources. The state isn't going to be able to do that no matter what country we're in. Mm. Huge opportunity again for us to be the church locally, to gather around people. And so it's a missional moment in the broader sense of evangelistic, the social action that goes with that. We want to be a wholehearted pastoral ministry response to people and I think over time people were going to see that church is absolutely anchored in their community doing the hard yards now that's tough there's lots we could say I know pastors are under pressure I know it's not easy but as we stick in and are faithful in our presence fruitfulness is going to follow Mm -hmm. Sorry for interrupting your podcast, but Claire Perini has something really, really important that she wants to share with you. For the last number of weeks and months, you will have had a little interruption from Octavio and I with me trying to say rgnt.net forward slash give. And the reason for that is um, that we love hearing from people who are enjoying and appreciating the podcast. We love hearing that. And we love hearing that you enjoy it so much that you want to give Regent a little bit of a donation to say thanks. And so this is an invitation to continue doing that or to do that for the first time uh, to allow us to continue to keep having these really good conversations with people all over the world about all sorts of things, about the good, beautiful kingdom of God and how it plays itself out in the life of everyday Christians. So if you would like to give a donation to Regent College, to say thanks for the podcast, Octavia and I would be delighted. You can do that at rgnt.net forward slash give. And please, if you'd leave a donation, uh, write in the comment box over there that the podcast sent you. Enjoy, Enjoy the, the rest, rest of, of our the conversation. I want to go back to something that we were talking about, just about alpha and hospitality and kind of the impact and that, that being a key piece of, of, of alpha and conversations around the table and so on. How have you, how have you navigated that piece, uh, the hospitality piece and alpha? And Peter, I know you're, t- you're doing alpha at church, so feel free to jump in on that as well. But Shayla, do you want to just talk, how's that, how's that working out? Well, I think we we have to be very creative when it comes to hospitality because typically with Alpha, it's 
been around a table, mm. right? Mm-hmm. We have food together, a meal together, or dessert together, something. Um, but in this season, we've had to really help churches think through what does hospitality look like on Zoom, mm-hmm. of all things, which is really weird. So it can look... Uh, if it's local, you can send food packages. Like uh, a friend of mine in Toronto said that it's their alpha day coming up this weekend. And she said, we had hoped we could do it, you know, uh, socially distanced and figure that out. But now because of their lockdown, they can't. And she was out delivering care packages to the people for Saturday. Yeah, right. And I thought that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, another friend of mine sent, uh, he had wine delivered. Um, for the first night to all the people in he, he had people from all over North America he found out where they where their local liquor store delivered and he had his favorite bottle of wine delivered to them as a form of hospitality mm-hmm. so you yeah. can get creative that, you can uh, do like fun it. things like bring your favorite cereal to Alpha on the first yeah. night like <laughs> there's there's little kind of goofy things you can yeah. do but also whether it's the the first night or the Alpha weekend you can go the extra mile and have food delivery Uber Mm. uber gift cards to people to say order your favorite thing here's twenty dollars per person yeah so it's not cheap sometimes but you can be creative Mm -hmm. in hospitality but i think the church has to think that generally whether how we engage with our own uh, congregation members in hospitable ways and then how we engage with the outside community Mm -hmm. it's not just an alpha question it's actually a church question yeah well, and there's actually something then so when everything is mediated by a screen, there's something then so embodied about the eating and the meal part of it. So as you say, even bringing your favorite cereal and we're all eating it together, like there's something about that that as kind of, as you say, it's quirky and whatever, but actually there there is an embodiedness to that, which sort of helps us then sort of feel more connected um, even when we're being mediated by a screen. Peter, were you going to say something more about that? Oh, no, no. I think Sheila's nailed that one. Uh, I think we're funny. We're doing communion uh, as a staff team on Monday, and that's it. Everybody's bringing their own. It is, uh, as you were saying, how do we do a little bit of embodying, mm. but still through the screen? I mm. mean, we are all wrestling with this. Churches are constantly trying to navigate what does prayer ministry look like, you know, to something that Activa was saying at the start. Like, how do we do that online? What does it look like potentially on the phone? Sometimes yeah. we mix it up and do that. Can mm-hmm. we phone somebody? Because it just feels slightly different. Um, you know, we just do that with meetings sometimes just to change gears. So it's looking for the, those creative ways because I'm looking at you at the end of a long day for me of these kind of Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. We're on another version of this. Um, but I think we can find those ways. And mm-hmm. there are moments we can do the funny things locally in the garden, in the picnic, in the park. Mm-hmm. Um, people are trying those. Depends on which season you are and which bit of lockdown yeah. you're in. <laughs> yeah. um, but it does then uh, drive us to those kind of more local ways of doing stuff sometimes that can be really healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a concern that it's echoed by, especially a lot of traditions, especially the Orthodox. It's a critique against uh, the reinforcement of that individualistic Christianity when it's you and God, you and your Bible, and community is not important. You know, like even the like what you were talking about communion in in other traditions, you cannot have communion on your own with 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 uh, just a juice and a bread. You, you can't. I mean, it has to be given by the priest. Has to be in in community and has to. So there's a lot of critique about the reinforcement of. I mean, I mean, it's COVID, so so this is getting reinforced anyway and even some people have uh critiqued uh, alpha for doing that in, in this case of of uh with with alpha online and it's, it's just you and a computer even though alpha is trying to do it in a 
sort of communal way as much as they can, but it still reinforces that. So, so what do you guys think about that? I, I actually don't know how, how Orthodox people are doing that or Catholics for that matter uh, with, with Zoom or I don't even know what to do. If they do in communion, I don't even know. But what do you guys think Shayla about that? Shayla will give you the answer in a minute, but I remember a conversation Shayla and I had about two different churches and how they were doing church. And the question for me is the intentionality one. So I think it's the Keller Network. We're saying we're producing a kind of okay version on a Sunday, but we're not trying to make it all uh, singing and all dancing. We don't want people to think this is fantastic. We want them just to get enough, <laughs> to get by, if you like, and want the real thing when it comes back. And another church in Vancouver, uh, Shayla was talking you know, they were going away for three days, I think, to record the next six sessions to kind of TV standard. They said, essentially, look, our guys are watching Netflix, they're watching great stuff all the time. We need to do this thing as well as we can. And I actually like both those ideas. Yeah. I'm thinking, you, you're thought about it and you're being intentional about it. I probably mm. warm a little more to the killer, but I get what they're both doing. And what I, the key for me is we thought, what's culture doing and how are we going to engage with it? No, you may agree or disagree that what way they're doing it, but I like that they've thought about it. They've thought, what's the biblical story doing in that moment? And where do we hit the intersection point? And how do we do that the best that we can mm-hmm. overall? Um, and I think that's the challenge. So, you know, there's big arguments here about communion. I'm a Baptist. I love that I can give communion. We can take communion wherever we want. I don't need mm-hmm. a priest to do that. It's not a mediated experience. Mm-hmm. I'll not, I'll not go any further and get this podcast into trouble. But, you know, so people get really hung up on those things. And this has really challenged some of that. And said, hold on, which bit of that's cultural and tradition and which bit of that's biblical and theological? Yeah. And how do we say, take the text really seriously in this moment, but say, how do we do this thing? Mm-hmm. You, you know, there's a great story about a guy in, um, let me get this right, North Korea. So there's, there's a, a North American guy, government official visiting North Korea. And he goes into, he's in a market town, quite rural, and he goes into a public bathroom. And uh, this guy runs up to him and uh, kind of try this North Korean gentleman tries to stop him in the bathroom. He's thinking this is a little bit weird, and then he points up at his lapel in which he has a little fish on his lapel, and the guy is basically telling him to wait. So he kind of susses, "Okay, I'll wait." And the, little, the North Korean guy runs out and comes back in a moment or two later. I think it's actually Tom Wright tells this, and he's got a, a bottle of Coke and he's got a packet of crisps, and he has a little drink and he gives the guy the Coke and he's like, "This is weird. I'm in a toilet. That guy's offering me to share a Coke," and then he gives him a crisp. And the whole time the guy's not catching it and the North Korean man rocks away and then he suddenly goes, I know what he just did. He just celebrated communion with me in a toilet and I just didn't even see it with a Mm. bottle of Coke and a packet of crisps. Mm. And it was all about pointing at that badge and getting him to wait. And he's like, Mm. that's the most beautiful thing ever. I mean, that Mm -hmm. is the most profound communion experience he ever had. And and so I love to set the table and I love to think about it. I love to do that well. And how beautiful earthenware kind of things, and we set it out in church sometimes. But I love a moment where you can just grab a Coke and a packet of crisps mm-hmm. and go, Is that not the best communion ever? That's the only time that guy probably got to do it with another Christian. Mm-hmm. And we're like, Well, well let's get our I, theology I, around that. I, I will say that um, my friends and we have staff that are both Catholic and a staff member that's Orthodox, Syrian Orthodox. And it's been heartbreaking. They've grieved the their inability mm-hmm. to. Um, participate in the sacraments of the church. Mm. And so as I've watched them really wrestle with it, and the Catholic Church I would be more familiar with in Canada about what they've done to be creative. But for those that are, you know, like Syrian Orthodox, Egyptian Coptic, you know, where they're just finding it Mm. so difficult, and the people are grieving deeply. Mm -hmm. So on the evangelical Protestant side, we have a bit more room to maneuver. But those 
um, on the Coptic, you know, Orthodox Catholic side of the church are finding it really sad and very, very hard because they've put such a an emphasis on doing that communally and having only the priest mm-hmm. administer the sacrament. So I recognize that for our brothers and sisters in those church traditions, it's been heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And and we do have something to learn from them, that they are grieving so deeply this um, community celebration of Christ where I do think there's beauty in doing it with your family in your house or doing it in a bathroom, mm-hmm. you know, with crisps and a Coke. But there, I do think individualistic Christianity, and I know we'd all agree with this, is that individual Christianity is not what any of us want mm-hmm. or stand for. And I can tell you for a fact that Alpha would never want mm-hmm. that. I mean, we ha- we purposely do one of the talks is on the church and the reason we serve the church, we're not a parachurch ministry, is because we believe in the local church. Yeah. Mm. We believe in the expression of the local church. We want people to be embedded into a local church so they can be discipled and find their home, their Christian home in a local community. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we could kind of go in all different directions. <laughs> But in, let's like so we've sort of said um, it seems that people are hungry at the moment in the pandemic for faith and and so then Alfred there's you know there's all these missional opportunities but in your experience both of you or but maybe Shayla why don't you start with this what are some of the then common arguments against Christianity and are they are those arguments still being are they still arguments now or is there any sense in which they're not you know has the pandemic actually shifted those but what are some of the arguments that you're seeing in 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 the alpha context and in your work against Christianity can I say two things yes. first? The first thing, Claire, is just um, I don't think in Canada we're experiencing a greater number of people interested in Christianity right. at this right. point. So I just want to yes. say that right off the bat because I don't want people to leave here thinking, oh, my word, I'm missing something. <laughs> They're like all my neighbors are actually interested if <laughs> I would just invite them. There's a revival <laughs> happening. Right. Uh, I could Peter and I could probably speak to that more about I mean, at least I think what what is coming and what I've heard other people that I trust their prophetic voice and what they're saying about what's coming. But currently, I've not seen this sort of outpouring of interest where we would say, wow, that's Mm. the first fruits of revival or Mm. renewal in the church or whatever we may call it. Um, To the second point, though, thinking about uh, the objections that people have, I think actually the objections have been true of millennials and now Gen Z or Gen Z or Zennials, whatever you want to call them, are have been around before the pandemic, but yeah. the pandemic has actually brought them to the forefront. Yeah, right. And what, we, what we've seen is their critique of the church and critique of Christians is you don't care about the things I care about. That could be the climate, so mm-hmm. environment, that could be about sexual ethics, uh, that could be about um, all sort. I mean, mm. so many different topics, particularly in North America. And I think you've experienced this as well in the UK, not just those two topics, but then equality, social equality, yeah. and particularly mm. around um, Black Lives Matter yes. and how that, how the church has in some cases come out looking very poor yeah. indeed. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got this issue, whether it's gender equality or Um, ethnic equality that's happening in many places in the world. It's just gone boom in the U.S. And I think the younger generation is saying, you don't actually care about that. Mm -hmm. And so 
I think that's younger Christians in the church are looking at their older generations and critiquing Mm -hmm. it. And then people on the outside. One of the things that we've really discussed at Alpha, and this is giving you a little inside conversation, is that we really are talking about we need to add to the Alpha film series to our content is why did Jesus live? And not just have, you know, who is Jesus? Why did Jesus die? But actually, why did he live? What did he come to show us about living and what we could live like when filled with the Spirit, living for him? And I think that's a huge missing component of evangelism. It's a huge missing component of how most Christians live a holistic Christian life. That's why I love Regent. That's why I'm on the board because Regent really gets at this, but it's missing. And and Regent is so important in this moment because of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I agree. I think I I just agree with Shayla. Um, I think uh, that doesn't happen very often. I just just want to enjoy this moment. She just wants to pause there and and, and bask in that moment. Uh, You know, I, I totally love Charles Taylor and is thinking about the secular age that we're in. And one of the things I think that he's really helpful on is kind of what's secular, dot, dot, dot. But he says, basically, the key for him is the contestability of all beliefs. So I think we feel our stories under pressure often as Christians, but actually what we're, I think everybody's experiencing the cross pressures, he calls it the fragilization of beliefs. Everybody realizes their story's under pressure. Nobody's getting a free pass. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's getting interesting at this moment. People are feeling that that pressure. There's a, an English author, uh, Julian Barnes, who says, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. And that, I think, is quite, quite a good <laughs> quote for the UK. I don't believe in God, but I miss him. Um, where does it come down? I think it is the issues that Sheila said, but it is God good news. So I think there's an interest in spirituality, undoubtedly. There's relentless statistics on that. Um, people are more interested in that and that aspect is what they like to explore. But there's a point at which they say, well, hold on, is God good news for me if I'm queer? Is God good news uh-huh. for the environment? Is God good news yeah. um, in terms of my race and ethnicity? Is God good news on all sorts of things? Mm. Um, and, and those are absolutely valid questions. One of the pieces of work I'm deeply involved in is, is a being human project. What it, it, The very notion of what is to be human is the most kind of profound and contested issue of our day, it feels like. So what is the good, true, and beautiful response to that? It's not enough to be right. We think it's Chris. Oh, just if, if we're right, that's it. I'm going to give you the right answer, if they're even it. You know, but it's 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 the good and the true and the beautiful story in that moment. And um, but what does excite me still overall is I think again it's probably Mark Sayers who's saying this: a crisis precedes renewal. Now it doesn't guarantee it. Just because we've had a crisis doesn't right. mean we're going to see it. Yeah. But it so often comes before, and that's the interesting space it feels like we're in, going back to our prayer conversation, going back to yeah. some of the success of Alpha and many other programs in this moment in engaging people who are in a seeking space. And I do think we're seeing a stripping away of so many other stories, this real contested culture. It just feels like everything's chaotic at the minute. You just get this real sense. Everybody's story is getting challenged. Uh, who knows when the pod, this podcast goes out? The question's still the same. Does anybody know if anybody won the US election? Like this contesting of stories and narratives will still be going on. But that that kind of deep uncertainty is just going through. And so it is the moment to lean in. And people will always have questions and some of them will be valid and some of them are like, I'm not so sure, guys. That's probably very influenced by the story you have. Mm. But what I want to keep signposting you towards is Jesus in this moment, the good, the true, and the beautiful story of what he came to do and what he's done for you. What does it mean for you to be human in response to that story, living right at the intersection of, yes, the cultural story you've been raised in and all the strands, and they're deeply embedded in us. Um, We've got to strip some of that away. It's back to our individualism at communion. How totally locked am I in an individual, consumer-driven story? 
people who are getting excited about masks. And I'm like, guys, that's way downstream. Get upstream and have a more interesting conversation. I couldn't give a stuff about masks. I don't enjoy wearing them, but I absolutely am going to wear them. That's what the legislation is, and it seems to be good and healthy for people. I said, I want to have a much more fundamental conversation about the story shaping people, not not at mask level. You're made in the image of God. You're a divine image bearer. Let's talk about the environment, but let's do it well. Tell me why I should care for the environment. I don't think an environmentalist has a very good story as to why I should care. David Attenborough has a great piece on Netflix, and he says, here's my story, here's my witness statement about why I've given 90 years of my life to care for the environment. But he lives in a scientific story, and he basically says it happened by chance, Mm -hmm. and each thing that happens next happens by chance. And I can't really tell you why you should care, except maybe that it's going to be useful for your kids kind of lands on a usefulness story it's really it's it kind of feels shallow at the end i'm like i really like you i like what you've done Mm -hmm. i want to care for the environment but you can't tell me why you haven't got a very good story i want to tell you god made this world and put us in it to steward and to cultivate it you know so i want those are great bridge building moments sorry i'm ranting now but those are i Mm -hmm. see those as missional engagement points again black Mm -hmm. lives matter i'm going absolutely every life matters let's have the conversation why because you're made in the image of god and human dignity Mm -hmm. that story the christian story is what everybody's borrowing from in this moment some realize it. Some mm-hmm. don't, while simultaneously trying to take an axe to the root of the tree and chop it down. But the fruit, the rights and the equality and the dignity that come from that, you only get that from the God story. You don't mm-hmm. get it from any other worldview. Mm-hmm. And so we need to get a bit bolder and on the front foot, humbly, but, but with some clarity and engage in those conversations, but also live life in a community well that draws people into the good, the true and the beautiful. And I'll mm-hmm. end my rant. <laughs> no, That was a really good yeah, rant. That was a great <laughs> rant, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Right. So you so you dropped in the Being Human project, and I'm guessing all of the things that you just eloquently um, preached to us about just now, let's not call it a rant, uh, kind of shared with us, presumably those things all underpinning this this Being Human project, I'm guessing, which you've what, – but what is it? Like what are you, what are you doing? Well, so I get to work with a group called Evangelical Alliance. On this project, we're working with a couple of actually Regent alums, which is one of the reasons I love it. And Mark Mayhew, who used to kick around Regent and lead the Marketplace Institute, is, is working with me on this one. Um, and it is looking at the cultural story and the God story and looking mm-hmm. then at that intersection point and saying at the intersection of those we find Jesus, who so upset the political and religious rulers of his day that he was ultimately crucified for that. But also this is where we find people. Like what does it mean to be human in this moment? What does it mean as AI comes at us? What does it mean as we're wrestling with questions of Sabbath and rest and technology? And yes, questions of sexuality. Instead of running from all those potentially tricky topics, let's run right to the heart of them and engage people because everybody's wrestling with technology and where do I get my rest, with why I should care for the planet and why we're telling people, well, on that bit, you have to do what I say and steward and think about other people. But over mm-hmm. here, you can live in this very individual story and change everything about you. And you're like, oh, these are all jarring stories. So let's wrestle that out a bit and go right to the heart of what it looks like to be human, to be a divine image bearer. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what we're saying is most of the traditions are actually borrowing from the God story. And that's why it's sometimes confusing. You're like, how did you get that? Oh, you kind of just nicked that from Christianity, but then you disregarded the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, let's have a conversation about that. Let, let's let's let that be the point. I think Christians are so. This is largely discipleship, but a strong missional edge. I think Christians run away from these conversations and yeah. feel under pressure. I'm like, listen, nobody's got answers. Richard Dawkins is getting pinged for his beliefs. You know, yeah, every other faith community is getting under pressure right now. Nobody gets a free pass, and so that's fine. Let's go and have the conversation. Everybody's beliefs are contestable and <coughs> grabs. The doubters. The, Taylor says two other things. Doubters are tempted to believe and believers are tempted to doubt. And I think both of those are true. There are moments mm-hmm. where doubters are tempted to believe 
awesome. Let's jump on those missional mm-hmm. moments. Those are fantastic. But there are also the challenges. There are moments when believers are tempted to doubt. And that's a real challenge. People who've been in the faith for a long time have these sudden moments of doubt because instead of once a month you go into work or you find yourself reading something going, oh, I don't know how that works with my faith. It's like every day. Mm. And then you can't sustain that over the long haul. So part of the project is a common journey with us and we want to set out uh, you know, kind of framework and ways of engaging with this, go on a journey together that both disciples you, but actually equips you to do the missional stuff at the bus stop and have those conversations with people. When, yeah, some of the trickier stuff comes down the tracks and go, I love Andy Crouch has got his TechWise family book. So he's written this great book on culture change and some of us read it in mm-hmm. courses. But Andy says himself, look, the most popular book I've written by a long way is the TechWise family. Yeah. Yep. His basics, Jubilee and Sabbath principles, but it knocks it on the head and he gets invited into schools and into workplaces that he would never get into as a yeah. cultural Christianity commentator. Totally. But now on the TechWise, he's everywhere and everybody wants to know, what's your principles for like dealing with technology? And he's like, well, it's actually biblical stuff, but I'm getting in the front door on that. It's like, this is the stuff we should be leaning into at this moment. People are like, mm-hmm. where do I get rest? How do I get away from this technology? Like, hey, there's some good Sabbath principles I could talk to you about. Mm-hmm. So I just, mm-hmm. that, it's that kind of stuff where we get on the front foot in these conversations and believe that this story is good news for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So behumanproject.co.uk, check it out. <laughs> okay, there you go. That was, that was, <laughs> that was the answer. You're we, waiting for my link. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> The relentless uh, this, is why, this, this is why I was so excited about this podcast is because I just knew that I'd have a chance to listen to Peter mm. and I love what he's doing. And I'm so thrilled that um, not only is what he's doing accessible to any of us all around the world, but it's so pivotal to the missional opportunity before us. Mm-hmm. It really is incredibly yeah. important. Thank you, Peter, for what you're working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're very kind. I, I love advocacy and lots of my friends do it, but it's often a rear guard action. I spend a lot of time on the media talking about transgender, abortion, same-sex marriage, the environment, Sundays and rest. And each time I'm on the pivot, I, I do enjoy it, but uh, lots of people in my space go defensively and we have to protect the rights we have. We're on religious freedom and I'm like, man, how do we get on the front end of this? This becomes this really missional, fascinating place to live life. Because uh, that's what I want to model for other people. So, yeah, thanks for the opportunity just to chat about mm-hmm. my hopefully God-given passions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, anything, Octavia, what do you want to – do you want to uh, say – I, any... I just got one, one more yeah, question go for it. left. Go for it. it is related with story. Uh, and one of, like it's part of the Christian story uh, in that that's unity, that the church is one. And – but then you have you have one side of Christianity that it's really hesitant when when you talk about ecumenical meetings or ecumenical ministries or anything ecumenical is just just super bad, demonic. It's like the Antichrist, and and that's one of the words that that they use. For example, if we talk about Alpha again, that's one of the words they use against Alpha. That Alpha is ecumenical because I mean they 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 are related with the Catholic Church, and and and. So, so that that's one of the like. If you look online, like like, what are people saying about Alpha? Eh, ecumenical. Don't do it. Don't don't watch it. Don't don't get involved. Ecumenical. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, uh, how do you respond to that, uh, Shayla, or especially Shayla, of course, because you're well. Let's just say that from the very start, when Alpha, which was birthed in central London in the UK out of an Anglican church, mm-hmm. when it was birthed beyond just an effective tool for them to use in their congregation. 
it it got picked up by the Anglican Church around the world, and then it suddenly went beyond that. They never had plans yeah. that that was what would happen. Mm-hmm. What was happening was, I think, we could look back and say the Spirit of God was calling people to to evangelization and to encouraging all of the places where he's at work to be more active in it. It just so happened that God seems to be very active in the Catholic Church, the Protestant Mm -hmm. Church. Uh, He's working in the Charismatic Church, and we just acknowledged that and partnered with them. Mm -hmm. And so we've done everything we can uh, for the sake of the gospel Mm -hmm. proclamation to do everything we can to say, let's do this in unity. Mm -hmm right cuz then the world will know and so we have we have worked very hard and said we don't like ecumenism for just the sake of it it's the sake of gospel proclamation mm-hmm. and so we love working with our catholic brothers mm-hmm. and sisters with the russian orthodox church with the coptic church we work with all these churches around the world and so when you see them together you realize that god is doing something beautiful mm-hmm. And I was in a meeting at Holy Trinity Brompton, HTB as we call it, in London, and we had invited from Vancouver a Reformed pastor who would ordinarily say that the Catholics might not even be Christians, mm. and a Catholic um, priest who were both in the same city, lived 10 minutes apart, never heard of each other, never worked together, were our guests at the same meeting. And particularly from the reform perspective, he would have been very judgmental. Um, But he became friends with this father in our time together. They prayed for one another. And on the last day, I was serving them both a cup of tea. And I heard one say to the other, would you come to my church and speak to my staff and share your testimony of how you came to faith while you were at university? This is the Reform pastor saying to the Catholic mm-hmm. priest, will you come to my staff? And then the Catholic priest said, would you come and do a homily for mm-hmm. me at our service and tell us how your church is making a social impact in the city? Because we want to hear. And and as I watched that, I realized so many of our judgments mm-hmm. are because we don't actually know one another. And when you know one another, those those barriers can at least come down a little bit further Mm. and we can work together for the proclamation of Christ in our nations. But when we just throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, no, we Mm. are against them wholeheartedly, I think we miss the beautiful opportunity to work in unity to evangelize the world. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in just to say, like, I come from a part of the world that for 40 years had what we like to call the Troubles, which was, I mean, terrorism. It's one of the reasons we, we... went through terrorism as a Western country pretty much ahead of everybody else. Um, and it was based on nationalist and, and, and unionist claims, but they were pretty much along Catholic-Protestant lines. So, um, I mean, that's deeply ingrained in our culture. The, kind of the Reformation and the consequences live on here longer than most other places. So, But yeah, Alpha is able to transcend those mm-hmm. boundaries. Because we don't see it as Protestant and Catholic. It's about, well, okay, this is signposting towards Jesus. This is about mm-hmm. come Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and enter people's lives and then we say well what is it that unites us in that moment and, and we still say hey disagree with you guys on that you disagree with us on that that's totally fine uh, I think we've got to be clear what unity is uh, the Evangelical Alliance who I work for have been on the go for 175 odd years and unity is our core DNA so they founded mm-hmm. most of the unity movements in the world out of that movement most of the statement of faith that people take are from the Evangelical Alliance including I think Regents the World Evangelical Alliance spins off that but 
the, the thing they disagreed with at the start, the reason they fell out, and there's not a single easier world evangelical alliance, is the Americans said, um, we're still, we still have our slaves. And the Brits said, no, then you can't be with us. So the issue mm-hmm. they fell out was not a theological one, it was on that. And so ultimately, right at the start of our core DNA, but I think a really good unity moment is just that reminder. So there's lots of things mm-hmm. that could you know, but they said, you can't do that. That's a fundamental kind of dignity and equality mm-hmm. issue. So I love working for an organization which that's our DNA, but actually that's really important to evangelicalism globally. That's been a kind of core idea. So I think we need to get more creative in the ways in which we work. Be careful about the boxes. I mean, ecumenical or ecumenism is a real kind of dirty word here. You just throw it at somebody. But you say, hold on, what do you mean? What is it I did? Which action do you want to talk about? Let's let's unpick it a bit and think those through and let's find creative ways forward. Um, But also there are lines in the sand and we're going to absolutely draw those and say, you can't have slaves. Don't be ridiculous, guys. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. that discussion 170 years ago uh, at that point. And I I mean, I do see, we are absolutely seeing where I would have mentioned this is unity across the church is very different at this moment. It really feels like churches yeah. are uniting. So you can see just churches pulling together. You've got lovely stories of people sharing buildings in these moments and sharing yeah. ideas yeah. of how to come online and saying, we can't meet in our space, come and see us. Let's see if we can do something together. Let's share our practices. Mm-hmm. Let's share our ideas. So we're absolutely seeing that as the pressure comes, um, mm-hmm. churches are going, okay, we need to work so much closer together. And people who traditionally wouldn't have worked together. So it's not just, okay, yeah, our tribe's getting together. It's like tribes are kind of, whoa, out the window with this moment. Mm-hmm. How do we have a much bigger conversation? Is anyone anywhere seeing light ahead of the tunnel? Where do we learn from? Mm-hmm. So I'm loving that. There's a real kind of, there's a real emphasis on the local, but then there's these global conversations as well. It's just going, let's share what we can. Let's gather mm-hmm. together and let's just say, come Holy Spirit in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really changing. Mm-hmm. This is a wonderful moment for the church to be unified. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I was going to say that is a great place for us to end. So, Peter and Shayla, thank you for your enthusiasm and joy and passion. It's kind of it's actually infectious, which is a beautiful thing. Aww, so, thank thanks you. for um, yeah, thanks for your time. Thanks for serving on the board. Thanks for having us. I love working with both of you and with Peter. It's a fun place to be around Regent College, and we love it. It's a great way to spend a Friday night, in my case. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What else are you going to do, though, hey, Peter? I mean, it's lockdown. You know, you've got nothing else you can do anyway. I know. i got to kick some kids in the bed. That's what i got to do. I've said, don't interrupt. It's like there's a red light. Don't come in. I'm recording. And then I'll throw you into bed. (laughs) That's great. Well, thanks so much for your time. So good to have you. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Regent College Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit rgnt.net. That is rgnt.net.